3. And this is what Paul says. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Very humble beginning for Paul. If anybody has reasons to think that they have confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Think about that. Righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, again, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, we uh, do pray that you would... Speak to us in these moments, inspire us by your Holy Spirit, and challenge us to move forward in faith, in the call of Christ, and the obedience of discipleship. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. So, here's, here's the, the verse, here's the, the words that Paul speaks that, that got me on this whole line of thinking this week. And that is, when he says... In reference to his resume, because that's kind of what he gives there. That was kind of the words I'd have to, in resume and in, in, in reference to, to the things that, that has happened in his life. He says these words. He says, forgetting what is behind, pressing on to what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind. And I, and I started to kind of think about that challenge. At a time when we, we sing songs, we talk about a time to remember. And we have this this, this kind of dual nature, as, as we looked at Janice, this cool dual nature of looking back and, and looking forward. How do we understand Paul's words that, that forget, that he's forgetting what is behind? Especially in light of the fact that so often in scriptures we are absolutely told to remember. In, in Psalm 103 that I read this morning, it says, forget not the Lord and his benefits and his blessings. Forget not what the Lord has done for you. The, the, the scriptures are, are filled with times in which God calls his people to remember what, what God has done for them. The Passover. 
from the Exodus story, and that was, that was remembered every and celebrated every year, the, the Feast of Passover, eight days that we talked about. Remember last week we said that Jesus went to the temple with the family to celebrate the Feast of Passover. That was a time of remembering. Uh, when they would sit at the table and have the Passover, the, the question that always framed the celebration is, why is this night different than every other night? And that was the question that allowed them to tell the story of what God had done and how they had been delivered out of slavery. So remembering is part of the the call. And we can go on in in Joshua, I think it's chapter 4, when Joshua and the Israelites cross into the the promised land. Now this is after Moses. And and Joshua instructs the the 12 tribes each to take a stone. The 12 stones that are piled... Um, one representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel in Gilgal. And the reason they did that was so that in the generations that would come, when they would see the stones, they would remember what God had done. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7. Samuel leads the people, the last of the judges, he leads the people against the Philistines. And through the miraculous events that take place, God delivers the people of Israel from the Philistines, gives them victory. And to celebrate the victory, he takes a stone and he places it and he calls the stone Ebenezer. It's the Ebenezer stone. It's the question people ask me all the time and I forget half the time, to be honest with you. They'll come up and say, why? When we sing, come thou fount, here I raise my Ebenezer. It's a stone of remembrance. So, I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, there are times it is absolutely crucial in our faith journey, in, in, our, in our walk of faith, to remember what God has done, to tell the story, to celebrate, not just biblically, but to celebrate in the lives. We do that here as a church as we celebrate the story of what God has done in the 125 years of the, the history of this church. We, we do remember. So, so what is Paul talking about when he says, forget what is behind and press on toward what is ahead? What, what is it that we're to forget? When is it appropriate to remember And when is it detrimental? When can it be spiritually destructive? Because I think that's what Paul would would challenge us with. There are times we do remember, and there are times we absolutely need to turn our gaze in in the other direction. And so what's what's the difference? And so I spent some time kind of wrestling with this. And, And I think at its heart is what are we remembering? Are we remembering God's goodness or are we remembering our accomplishments? And and what I mean is where does it focus us? Because sometimes when we look back, um, it is very spiritually detrimental. And I think there's a couple ways to define that, a couple ways to begin to understand that. And I think one of those is that when looking back puffs us up. When looking back puffs us up, it can be destructive. Paul writes in Romans 12 that no one should think higher of themselves than they ought. Now, that's an interesting, than they ought. Well, how ought should I? You know, um, but, but nothing, but, that, but rather that which focuses on faith. Too often, what, what we will fall into this trap is we, we celebrate the past by living in the past. We celebrate the past because it gives us a sense of, of validation and worth. We become valued and, and we find our value in 
in our past experiences. I will tell you where, where you will see that very, I think, sometimes destructively. And, and some of you know this. You will see this in parents on ball fields watching their kids play. You, you will, because here's what happens. We, in the years as we pass those, those days of our youth, when, for those of us that played ball and, and, and were at least some level athletic, um, those days eventually move past. But we try to recapture them through our kids. That somehow, that if they're successful, it validates us. And, and you will see this in parents that are incredibly um, hard on their kids. And, incre- I mean, just, well, that's a whole different sermon. But, but because what I think it is, it's parents that are still living in their past. That are still kind of finding value for the things that, that they have done that, that get themselves puffed up by living vicariously through, through their own children. And so it absolutely becomes destructive to us when, when our gaze is so focused on the things that we've done. Not that we should not be thankful and, and that we should not celebrate past accomplishments. But when you're defined by past accomplishments, then we're getting into some dangerous territory. That's what Paul, he lists those past accomplishments. And then he says something interesting about them. He's like, I consider them garbage. I mean, I consider them garbage. They do not define me any longer. They're not, I don't get my sense of worth based on the fact that I was a Pharisee. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I kept the law flawlessly. All of these things they're, they're not important to him anymore because they don't define who he is. His sense of worth is not set by the things that are behind him. Too often for us, we fall into the trap of getting, getting our sense of worth by the things that are behind us. And so those are the times we need to stop being so fixated on what we remember. Churches do this all the time. This isn't just an individual thing. Churches do this all the time. I read an article recently, and it was five, it said five um, signs that your church needs to close. Whoa, okay, let's read that one. And, um, And one of the signs was, it says, when the church values their past more than they care about their future. When the church values the past, when, when we are more, um, when we embrace our past more than we have a passion for our future, then, then we're in trouble. Then, then we, we are absolutely in trouble. And, and you see this. I remember having a conversation when I was early in my ministry days with a, a gentleman. It was in a church meeting. And he was telling us all the things the church needed to re in, re instill in, the, in our practices all the things that we needed to be doing based on the things the church had done in the 1950s when it was very, very successful. Now, I'm not saying all those things weren't great in the 50s, but they didn't speak to the generation we were serving. It was just a, well, it was a glory time, and so if we could just get back to those glory days, that's not the way that faith works. That's not the new thing that God calls us to. So when we get stuck in the past, when we get puffed up or identify our value and worth by the things behind us, 
then we're in a dangerous place. So when, when remembering puffs us up, we need to be very, very careful. But here's the other place that we need to be careful about looking too much in the past. When it drags us down. And this is the, the, the place I think more of us find ourselves struggling with. When our memories are focused on our failures and our shortcomings and our what could have beens, it becomes a spiritual anchor that gets us stuck in the same place. There's an interesting inclusion in the, the text that Paul writes here that, that I haven't paid a lot of attention to in the past. But in, in the list of all of these things that he lists, that he, he cites off, this resume of accomplishments of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, um, righteous based on the law, flawless. He says one thing. He says, as for zeal, persecuting the church. He, he cites as his example of his zealousness that he was a persecutor of the church. If you remember the story of Paul, that's, that was how we get introduced to him. At the stoning of Stephen, where he was present, and, and this passion, this desire to stamp out this, this movement of, of Jesus until Christ gets a hold of him on the Damascus Road. And, and I think that's a powerful inclusion because Paul's not celebrating that. In fact, in other places, he shares that as a testimony to the power of how radically God had changed his life. But I think when he says, I consider it garbage, I cast it aside, he's reminding us not only do we need to not be fixated on our successes, but we need to let go of our failures and our shortcomings too because too many of us become defined by our past in detrimental ways. Too many of us become defined by our past in the ways that we hold on to what could have been. And here's the problem. When we hold on to what could have been, we are unable to embrace what can't be. When we hold on to what could have been, we are unable to fully embrace what can be. And, and we need to remember that promise of God, that grace of God, which you know, forgives sin, which gives us a new future. I mean, Paul gets a new future. He gets a new path when he comes into a personal and powerful relationship with the risen Lord. And that's the promise that we get. And so there are times it is helpful to remember, but there are times we need to leave the past in the past. We need to not be so much so two-faced like Janice is and so fixated on the past that we lose sight of that other aspect, which is to embrace our future, which is to, to look forward and to anticipate the new things that God is doing. That is the opportunity that, 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 that we constantly have. It's not a January opportunity. It's a, it's a year-long, day-in, day-out opportunity. And that is to look forward to what is yet to come. And to look forward to the opportunities that God gives us. As we look at 2019, where's, what direction are we facing? Because we can't simultaneously look in two directions. We're not two-faced in a literal sense. We have, to, we have to choose at times which way our gaze is going to be. 
And so again, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not appropriate at times to remember and even celebrate the past. But is our attention too, too focused on what is behind us? You know, there's the, it's the cliche, it's, it's the thing you see, but there's a reason that your rearview mirror is small and your front windshield is big. Because it reminds us what direction we're going, you know? Occasionally, we need to look back. Some of you need to look back every once in a while a little bit more. Um, but, uh, but that's not where we're going. That's not where we're going. We have, for us as a community of faith, and, and for us individuals, as individual followers of Christ, we have opportunities that are yet to be discovered. New things that God is doing and opportunities as we move forward in faith. I, I pray that, that we'll have a proper perspective. That we'll remember Paul's admonition. There are times we need to forget what is behind and press on toward what is ahead. That's the call of God in Christ. That's the faith that we're given. In Hebrews 12, Paul says we run the race. We run the race. We move forward in faith as we begin this new year together. Let's move forward in faith. Let's embrace what God has before us. Thankful for the opportunity he will give us. And ready to, to press forward and run the race that he has called us to. Amen? Amen. All right, friends, let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you that you go before us. That you constantly call us to move forward. We, we can appropriately celebrate what is behind. But that's not the direction we're going we're moving forward. Help us to move forward, to press forward in faith, to embrace the opportunities that you give us and will give us to serve you and to love others and to, and to be thankful that it is a new day and the new opportunities have yet to come. We give you all praise. We give you glory. In Christ's holy name, amen. Amen. We, brothers and sisters, in this first Sunday of the new year, we appropriately celebrate uh, communion together, this meal in which Christ offers to us as a way to encounter his divine and holy presence, to experience his grace in a profound and a real way, 